worry about anything? Sure. Everything. Well, you know, the, the, the sun could go nova. Uh, something could come in from the Oort cloud and blast us. Viruses. Yeah. Worry about lots of stuff. Do you worry about anything? Yes, always. That's one of my problems. <laughs> Do I worry about anything? What kind of question is that? Yeah, I worry about stuff. Anything you can share? Money, job. That's about it. What is the cure, do you think, to, uh, to not worry? A lot of money and a good job. Do you worry about anything? Oh, no, I, you know what? I, right now I'm worrying about her. I think we just lost her shoe. How about you, ma'am? Are, do, you, do you worry about anything? I worry about earthquakes living in L.A. Do you worry about anything? Are you kidding? <laughs> Am I human? <laughs> I worry about a lot of things. I worry about my family, my, you know, my, my daughter particularly, and my grandkids, and I worry about myself, and I worry about other people. I just, I'm a worrier. I worry about everything. Uh, I wonder if i still going to have a job today or tomorrow. What are some things that you worry about, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, homework. School, sports, friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the future for our youth. I have two grandsons, 13 and 15, and, and I look at them and I, I'm concerned. Yeah, I worry. But I worry less now that I'm older than I did when I was younger. I don't know why that is. But Do you worry about anything? Everybody worries, I think. And why do you think that is? You want things to go your way. You worry, am I going to do this right? Am I, I always tell my girlfriend I'll give her $5,000 if she can come up with one good thing that worry brings her. <laughs> she hasn't cashed in yet. What do you worry about? I want you to think about that this morning as we begin our time. What do you worry about? Our series has been um, a new way to live. And freedom from worry certainly is a new way to live especially in our culture and in our land. We have so many things that cause us to, to be worried all the time. There was a survey taken uh, about what do people worry about, and they, they found that 40% of the things that people worry about will just never happen, 40%. So take all of your worries, and off the top, 40% of those things will just never happen. 30% of the things that we worry about are things that happened in the past. They're already done, and we can't change them. So we're up to 70% already of, of things that, uh, that, that consume our worry. 12% th are, are things about criticism of others, things that people say about us, and most of it just isn't true anyhow. That's 12%. Another 10% of the things that we worry about are our health, which gets, uh, that, that tends to get worse with stress. So there's a, that leaves only about 8% left for real problems that will be faced. So a lot of times we worry and take all of our worry, all the things that you worry about, and just even from this little survey, you can see it's down to 8% of the things that you worry about are real problems that actually may end up happening or something that you will end up having to deal with. Um, so Jesus is going to give us here from the passage here the new way of living, how to be free from worry. Two businessmen were talking about the economic, uh, economic recession. 
Jack said, I'm about to lose my job and my house in foreclosure. But I don't worry about it. Bob, his friend, asked, how can you not be worried? Jack answered, I've hired a professional worrier. He does all my worrying for me. That way I don't have to think about it. Bob replied, that's a fantastic idea. How much does it cost to hire a professional worrier? $50,000 a year. $50,000 a year? Where are you going to get that kind of money? I don't know. That's his worry. We consume our life with worry, don't we? We consume our life with worry. Um, here we're going to begin in, in the passage here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus has been giving us a new way to live. Last week we looked at prayer and fasting, and Jesus has a new, had a new take on prayer and fasting for the people that day. And today we're going to look at worry, beginning in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus instructs us here, do not worry. Do not worry. Uh, the, the word therefore at the beginning of the, the verse, is it, you, know, you ask yourself, what's it there for? You know, I see the word therefore. Why did he say therefore? So we go and we look at the few verses preceding, and the verses preceding, Jesus said that you cannot serve God and money, for if you serve money, it will be your master. If you serve God, he'll be your master. So he's not saying that money was bad and that you shouldn't earn money, you shouldn't have to worry about money, deal with money. He says that money and God, can, one has to be your master. Either God's going to be your master or money. You cannot serve both. And isn't it interesting, when he comes off of this, this deal about God, your master, or money, your master, he rolls right into worry. You can't serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. That's a pretty big deal. Therefore, do not worry. How do we define worry? Uh, worry is translated uh, in multiple renderings as thought, uh, worry, or anxiety. Webster tells us that, that uh, worry is a, is a grieving over a future encounter, an event or situation that has yet to be. We worry about things that, that aren't here. We're looking to the future, things that, that, that we're worried are going to happen. Webster's full definition includes the idea of to choke or to strangle. Sometimes I feel like that when I'm in a worry mode. You start to worry about an issue and it's like, man, you're just, you're just strangled. Uh, that's what worry does to us. It, it, it debilitates us. Uh, it, to harass by tearing. That, the concept is tearing. And, and so as we, uh, it destroys our mind. Worry shreds my mind. As, I, as you go into a, a mode of worry and you're starting to worry about your, your family, you're worrying about how you're going to pay the bills, and you're worrying about you know, high school students that are graduating, you're worrying about where you're going to go to college, college students, you're worried about where you're going to have your career, uh, starting to pick your mate, all those type of issues. Uh, we all have worries, and those worries, when we go into that, we, st we can allow it to shred our mind. It just destroys us. It tears us. James says that a, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So therefore, worry just tears us apart. It shreds us apart. Uh, worry also affects my health. Okay, this is in your fill in your blanks there. Worry affects my health. 
It shreds my mind and it affects my health. You've heard uh, different studies of worry that, will, that can cause ulcers. It can cause uh, stroke. It can cause, uh, I've, I've even read that it can cause uh, certain types of cancer. Worry is not good for us. It affects my health. It can negatively impact my health. It immobilizes my progress. It stalls my progress. It's like putting handcuffs on. You know, if I come and I, I were to have a, a pair of handcuffs, I, I wouldn't be able to even turn the pages in my notes in my Bible this morning. It would, it would just it immobilize you. And that's what worry does. When we, when we live a life of worry and we're consumed with worry, we're immobilized. We have, we're, we're, we're stuck. We can't go to what God has for us because we're worrying about what if, what if, what if. And Jesus says here, do not worry about your life. He's not saying to not work. He's not saying that you shouldn't be concerned about life. He's saying not to worry about life. Look over here in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says, that the, the scriptures tell us that um, those who are unwilling to work will not get to eat. This is a basic principle of life. We have to go to work every day. Jesus isn't saying, uh, you know, don't worry, be happy, you know, just live on the beach, everything will be fine. No. The, we take, what does the Bible teach about this subject? He says, yes, you have to work. You have to go to work every day. We pay our bills. That's what we do. But in the meantime, God says you don't have to worry about paying your bills. You have to go to work to pay your bills. You have to uh, care for your family. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.8. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the faith. So this is, this is important. We are to care for our families. We're, our families have a top priority in our life next to God. And we're to care for them. We're to, we're to provide for them. We're to do what we can do. We're to work, but we're not to worry. And that's really an exciting thought for me this morning. And I hope it's an exciting thought for you. That God says that you do not worry. Do not worry about your life. You're, in a, you're in a, dealing with your job, issues at your job. Do not worry about your life. Um, you, you look and you say, oh no, my future financial situation. I, I hope that you know, one day, people my age, we worry, will Social Security be there when we retire, right? And we already know the answer to that. So we start to worry about it. And then we go to the 401k route. And we start thinking about our 401k and, well, I have enough. And, and we start worrying about it. And, you know, it's okay to work and make plans. But the scriptures tell us, do not worry. Do not worry. See, I'm worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. I'm on this side, and that's out there. So I'm not to be stressing. I'm not, allow, I'm not supposed to allow my mind to go through the shredding process. I'm not supposed to immobilize my progress because I'm overly concerned. I'm putting too much into this. I'm supposed to not worry about life. Notice there, there are four considerations that Jesus gives us in this passage to challenge us to stop worrying. Four considerations. The first one is life. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
the first illustration that Jesus gives us here is life, and it's the experience of greater benefits. He's given you life. The body is not about clothes. The body is not about food. He's given you life. And I want you to think about the things that, that you are concerned about, the things that you worry and you stress over. Is your life about paying the mortgage? Sometimes we think it is, don't we? And that's like, it consumes us. Is your life not, is not, your life is not about that mortgage. It's just something that you have to deal with. Is, is your life about your, where your kids will get to go to college? Will they get to go to the college of their choice? Will they, will they get to make that? Will they be able to make the, that grade on their test to get in to, for that scholarship? Is that, is life that? No, that's an area that we have to deal with. And so we have these different areas. The people of that day, their biggest concern was, what do we eat? What do we drink? What am I going to wear? And so for today, and in our lives, we have other concerns as well. And our concern, is not life bigger than these things? And so God's giving us the bigger picture here. Jesus puts life into a greater perspective. Life is bigger than these issues. Secondly, to further illustrate, Jesus says, look at the birds. And he talks about your value to God. That's the fill in the blank. Your value to God. Look at the birds. Now, now think about this. Here you are. You're, you're sitting here and you are, you're dealing with these issues in your life. You're dealing with you, you stress over paying the mortgage. You're dealing with stress over that job interview, stress over your business, stress over relationships, family issues, family things that aren't going so well. And you have all this worry and worry and worry and you're, you're mounting up this worry and it's over something that hasn't happened and it's shredding your mind. And Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. Let's read the scripture. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sorrow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than these birds? And, and let's, let's look at the birds this morning. Let's consider the birds. Uh, how do the birds live? They live a pretty carefree life, don't they? They get up in the morning, we hear them chirping. Isn't it nice to hear them chirping again? It's like, wow, there's a sign of life in Pittsburgh. You know, the snow may end by May 1st. And so we're, we're getting excited. You hear the, the, uh, the, the chirping of the birds. And, and as you hear those birds, you look and you watch them, they fly around. And they're pretty carefree, aren't they? And the Bible tells us, look at the birds because God's cared for those birds. Those birds, they have food. They have, they have their nest. They know how to, they ha- know how to do all this. And they just kind of carefree and they go, go around and they, they do their life. And yet God has provided for those birds. Um, birds migrate. Why do birds migrate? I, I was thinking about that, you know. Why do these birds migrate in our hemisphere? All these birds, all of a sudden they know when it's time to head south, don't they? You know, it's like we're watching the fall and, boy, all the leaves are changing, the wind's blowing, and so are the birds. And it's really, really exciting. I, I, I notice it more as I've gotten older. The, these flocks of birds heading south, and they're, they're gathering up, and they're, they're making, making their trek on south. But you know what? They know to go down there. And they, they, they're there for the, for the winter. They come back in the spring as God provides for them again, and more bug population, more, more, uh, more, uh, more insect population for them to feed on, and more nesting opportunities, and they come back. And, and God says, look at, look at how he's taking care of those birds. 
Are you not of more value than those birds? Don't you think God's concerned about where your kid's going to go to college? Don't you think God's concerned about, about where, where, where you're going to meet your mortgage payment? Don't you think that God's concerned about that? If he's concerned about that bird, this flock of birds out there, he's also concerned about you all the more. Look at uh, Matthew 10.29. We'll put that up here. Matthew 10.29. Um, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hair on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. These sparrows, they're just of seemingly little value to us. You can buy them cheaply. Not one of them falls to the ground, Jesus said, without the Father knowing about it. And he says about you that you have a higher value. Um, why do we have a higher value? We have a higher value because he was made in our image. Genesis 1.27 says that God, told, God said after he created Adam and Eve that he had made man in his image. We are made in the likeness, the image of God. When Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come to die for the sparrows. He didn't come to die for the birds. He came to die for you. He came to die for me. Look here at, uh, at, at the next scripture here from uh, Philippians 2.8. Philippians 2.8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to, to death, even death on a cross. So God became flesh, made his dwelling among us. The price tag to redeem your soul was pretty high. The price tag on your soul was the price of Jesus Christ. You have a big value to God. And so when you start to worry, and you're worrying about, okay, my job situation, I, I'm, I need this job, I need this interview, I need, I need this. Uh, I'm looking at my future, my retirement, my 401k and all this, and I'm starting, I start to stress over this. Uh, I'm looking over, will I be able to get that house? Will we get the loan to move in? And you start to go into all these things of worry. I want you to come back and remember what Jesus said here, your value. You have a high value. And when we remember our value, it makes you remember who your God is. Because he said that you are more valuable than those birds. You're more valuable than the, all the wildlife you see, and he's taking care of that. The next, the next uh, consideration he gives us, he says that worry accomplishes nothing. Um, verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Worry accomplishes nothing. Um, um, Matthew 6, 27 says this, uh, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his nature? And then if you look into the message, I'll, I'll put this message translation up here. Let's read this together. This is a, a great take on it. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All the fussing you do, uh, you know, all, all that, I just wish I were, you know, if somebody were thinking to be taller, you know that you can't make yourself any taller. Quite often I'll hear people tell me, you know, I wish I were uh, several inches taller, that way I could slam dunk in basketball. You know, that would be an exciting thing, wouldn't it? Uh, and, then, and then people begin to, they begin to, to, to wish and, and, and stress out over their performance or whatever. And God says, all the worrying that you do isn't going to change your stature. You're not going to grow one single inch by worry. And as a matter of fact, the, the concept, some, some, trans, some other translations render it like this. They say, it says that you can you add on one hour to your life. 
And, and the, the, uh, the original meaning is really either way. It's adding on, adding on to your stature, adding on to your life. Can you extend your life by worry? No. If I worry about my future, my future, my future, will I expand, expend my life, extend it? No. As a matter of fact, probably the opposite is true. I'll probably end up giving myself more, more health issues, more things that would likely defeat it. And I want you to think also about this, that we are, we are appointed once to die, the Bible tells us. Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die. So all the worrying that I do, and I'm worrying and worrying, I can't extend my life. One time I, I was reading about a story about two, two fellas, uh, George and John. They both loved basketball. One day they were talking and John said, Do you think that they will play basketball in heaven? I don't know, said George, but if I get there before you, I'll try to come back and let you know. Well, the very next week, George died suddenly. A few days later, John was out walking by himself, and when he heard a voice call his name, he looked around, but no one was there. The voice called his name again. Is, is that you, George? He whispered, yes, it's me, said the voice. Well, do they play basketball up there? Do they play baseball up there? The voice answered, John, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is that they play baseball up here all the time. But the bad news is they've got you scheduled to pitch next week. And... Uh, you know, isn't that the way life really is, though? One day we're out and we're, we're doing our life, you're shoveling snow, the next day you're in heaven pitching with the angels, right? But uh, we have no control over the end of our life. We have no control over that. Our days are numbered of the Lord. We don't have... You can worry, 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 worry. And the scriptures are telling us here that it does nothing. It will not help you. It will not extend your life. So when you start to think about all those areas of worry, yes, we work, we're concerned, therefore we work, but I'm not going to allow my mind to be shred. I'm not going to tear my mind apart and worry about the future. I'm going to come and trust in God's provision. That's the next illustration he gives us, is God's provision. Not only does worry accomplish nothing, but, but God is the provider. Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The lily of the valley. God takes care of these wild, natural, growing lilies. And Jesus says here that that, that white of that lily is better than the robe of Solomon. Uh, Eastern kings were known to wear purple, but on occasion they would wear a white robe. And Jesus is referencing to Solomon, one of the greatest kings of Israel, one of the magnificent, richest kings. And he says that even Solomon, with all the greatness that Solomon had, his white robes don't even come close to how God robes the lily. And furthermore, think about a lily, how short is the lifespan of a lily that blooms. I've read that it can be seven days. It could be a few weeks. But that bloom comes up, and then it's gone. And the, Jesus continues here, verse 30 says, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, if that short time God cares for that, 
which is today, is, is here today and then tomorrow, it's gone into the oven, will he not more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And so here's what he's saying. He says about this going into the oven. Uh, if, if the grass... The, he clothes the grass. He takes care of the lilies and the grass, and, 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 and they get thrown into the oven. What he was talking about was a common way that, that people would bake in that day. And they, would, they, they were agricultural, and they would make an oven. They would dig a circle about two and a half feet in circumference, and then they would dig down about five feet and, and make a, a layer in the ground of stone. So you're about five feet deep with a stone, maybe four feet deep with stone, and then the... Uh, and then, then this big circle. And they would take these trimmings, the grass, all these things, and they would burn them off. And after they would burn it off, they would take the ash, remove the ash, take their food, and let the food bake off the heat that was contained in the brick. That was how they would make their bread, different things like that. And Jesus said, just like you throw that grass into there, just like you throw that grass into there, and it's short-lived, I want you to think about this. God took care of the grass, of the, cared about that, and it had a short lifetime. How much more does your father take care of you? How much more does God provide for you? And, and what an exciting thought to know that God is our provider. God is our provider. I look at verse 30, if you will. Uh, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Now, that's kind of reassuring. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So you have, a, you have an issue and your, your mind is consumed with this issue, um, how will I pay this bill, how will I make my mortgage, how will I take care of my future, um, how about my relationships, my re relationships aren't, just aren't working, um, young people, will I have a mate in the future, who will I marry, and all those things start to go after you, and your mind starts to shred, and God says, you don't have to go there, he's not saying to sit back and do nothing, he's saying, yeah, work, Work at your relationships, work at your family, work at all these things, but you don't have to worry about that uncertainty. There is a degree of uncertainty in our life, and you don't have to worry about it because God is your provider. God is your provider of relationships. He's your provider of all that you need. And Jesus goes a step further here. He takes it, he says, not only do not worry, he says it several times in that passage, doesn't he? Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. He takes it another step, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. The Gentiles, the people who don't have God, they're seeking all these things. They're filled with worry. They are seeking how to take care of all this stuff on earth. People who do not have God. Another translation uses the word pagans. That's how the pagans live. See, the Jews had a basic of who God is. They had the Old Testament scriptures that we have. And they knew that God was their provider. But the people that were outside of the Jewish community, they worshipped Greek mythological gods. They worshipped idols. They didn't know 
a God who had provision. And Jesus is saying to these people here, you know that your God provides, your God is your provider. Will you not live like those people who don't have God? So when we live a life consumed with worry, we're living like people who don't have God. And now, God, Jesus takes it to the next step. He says, not only do you not worry, and it, this isn't about self-will, willpower, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He says, now turn from your worry and seek God. But seek first. Let's read the verse together. But seek, we'll bring it up here. There you go. I was ahead. Let's say it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. I remember singing that around the campfire when I was a kid. Seek ye first. You know, we knew that song. But did I live it? Did I really seek him first? Seek him first above my relationship with my wife. Above my children. Above my mortgage. Above everything. Seek him first in the morning. Isn't it interesting? All my life I knew this verse 33. But I never knew. It took me, I was hanging around here a long time before I read the whole passage. And I found out that worry is in the same context. So Jesus says, turn from your worry, seek first the kingdom of God, and what's God going to do? All these things will be added to you. Whatever you eat, drink, your clothes, all these things, your needs. And as we start down that route, you, st that route, you start to see that God is your provider and you start to say, well, but what about this? And I want this to happen. I need this job. And I need this situation in my family. And I need this 401k. Or I need this. And you start putting in whatever it is that you're worried about. I asked you at the beginning of the service to think about a worry, to jot it down. I'd like to ask you to put that worry low on the list now. And put God at the top. Seek him first, because he is your provider. He will meet your needs. Now, it may not be your needs. When we come to God and we pray, you know what we're doing? We're seeking God, and I'm not coming to get what I want. I'm coming to get what God wants. And so God is changing our hearts. So when you come to him, as a matter of fact, he told us in the, earlier in the chapter, Matthew 6.10, for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we're supposed to pray. So if I'm praying about the mortgage, I'm praying about relationships, I'm praying about my children, I'm praying about all these things, and God says, okay, this is where we're at today. Isn't that how God leads? Proverbs chapter 3, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Don't lean on to your own understanding, but acknowledge him. And so, that's how God's directing our path. But I want, and I, God says, it's not about what you want. It's about what I want. And I have the plan for your life. In closing, the, the last verse of Scripture there, Matthew six thirty four. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There will be enough tomorrow that we will have to deal with. Don't. Take your mind and shred it to worry. Give your mind to God. Seek Him first. Let Him 
clarify all the A, B, and C of your life. Let him fill in the job. Let him fill in the relationship. Let him fill in for your children. Let him be your provider. Turn from this. Proverbs 12:27. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Do you want to have a life like that? To be a man weighed down? Or do you want to be, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will fill in the blanks of your life? Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, we prepare for a closing song. We have uh, one, of our, one of our people will be getting baptized this morning as they prepare for baptism. Just like to ask you to respond to the Lord. The greatest thing that people may worry about is where will they go after life on earth? Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again so that you could have eternal life if you'll just open your heart and accept Him. Accept His offer of forgiveness that He died. That he rose and he conquered the grave. If you'll invite him in, that's how you solve that worry. So today, if you're here and you haven't yet responded to Christ for salvation, I'm going to ask you to reach out to him and call upon him. Dear God, pray something like this. Dear God, I, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. I deserve to be separated from you. But your sacrifice, you came and paid for me because of the value that I have to you. Thank you, God. I invite you into my life right now. And for others, you maybe you're here and you've been wondering through life and, and consumed with the things of this world that are shredding your mind. You're in handcuffs to worry. God says you don't have to worry. He says just stop. Don't do it. Seek first the kingdom of God. He's your provider. I ask you today to respond. Just make a commitment with God. Lord, I'm going to seek you first from this moment forward. I need you, Lord. I've already accepted you, but I've been taking matters into my own hands. I need your hands. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I ask you to move mightily as our people respond to you. Thank you that you are a provider. Thank you that we can seek you first. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song.
Oh